and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. Welcome to episode three. Today we're going to be discussing budget conscious travel and what that might mean to you, what it means to us. Uh, and also how to find a balance between spending or not spending and not missing out on those special experiences. Not everything about experiencing travel costs money. Everyone is different and everyone sees things differently. So people may enjoy different types of travel. Travel doesn't have to be a competition. On the other end of the scale, everyone will have a different definition of what's cheap and what's budget. I think it's uh, important to remember that being a budget traveler has nothing to do with how much money you spend. It has everything to do with how you spend it. Just as you don't have to have deep pockets or trust fund to afford travel, you also don't have to live on a shoestring to call yourself a budget traveler. Let's just uh, talk about the fact that in some budget travel circles, there's a tendency to make budget travel into a competition because you don't, don't matter how cheaply you've done something, there's someone else who did it even cheaper. And it's, it takes it to a little bit of an absurd level. You can also find people who say, well, look, if you can't afford to travel, and you're going to be missing luxury. out. Well, if you're going to be missing out on these crazy, incredible experiences, then you shouldn't be able. Then you shouldn't travel at all. Just stay at home. Don't waste your time. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, there's there's, <laughs> there's well, going to be some balance in between. I'm reminded of a story I read on a, a travel forum uh, many years ago. And the guy was actually writing the forum. He was less than impressed with a chap he heard of who traveled Europe for a year and $5,000. Hey, I'm impressed by that. Well, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a competition, but that is impressive in a way. Yeah, it is. And and the, and the argument was the, the traveler, the guy was doing travel. He felt he had an amazing experience. He connected with locals. Yes, he camped a lot. He couch surfed. He hitched hike. And he didn't really spend money or clothes and, or anything. But from his perspective, he felt he had an amazing experience. But anyway, the guy was writing the vlog, said two things. He said, firstly... Maybe you're denying those countries and towns and people you visit uh, the economic injection of your tourism. Well, I think he wasn't a tourist, and that's maybe the difference. He was a traveler. Okay, that's that's a very good point, because that was actually a counter-argument to that point. The other point was... I think there are probably enough tourists in those countries. <laughs> that's a very... I actually would like to touch on that maybe later. Maybe having a few more travelers might change tourism and in not those tourists. countries. The other point was that um, if, you cannot, if you can afford it, plane ticket somewhere, then you should not be missing out on certain experiences. It's like going to Italy and not eating gelato. Or going to, uh, I don't want to say Paris and not going up the Eiffel Tower, but you know, those type of typical, or going to the Great Barrier Reef and not scuba diving, even if you ask qualified to Well, scuba. I think it's all about what experiences are important to you. So to some people, that's going up the Eiffel Tower or having the gelato might be a very important experience, which you shouldn't miss out on. Whereas to somebody else, that experience wouldn't, even if they had the money, even if they had spent the money doing it, it wouldn't have meant anything to them. I agree. Absolutely agree. And I think this is what this discussion is about. That idea of why, who are we to say what you should be spending your money on? What experiences are important to you? And why should we all think the same about it? Absolutely. We've always, everybody has a different idea of what's important and what will enrich them. 
what experiences they want to have. So let's talk about a few points. We can come back to this argument later. Uh, well, I think, for instance, you know, just as an example, I think we are very budget-conscious travelers generally, and we don't, I want to say, waste money on certain experiences which may be on a typical tourist checklist but we know won't add value to our lives. And yet there's other experiences that we're more than willing to spend a fair amount of cash on. For instance, going in a hot air balloon ride once, not in the place that's the most touristy place to do it necessarily, but it's an experience that was an expensive out-of-pocket experience, but to us it was something something special. something special. I think you're going to say the same. If you're an avid, I say the same about being an avid, like I just said, scuba diving. Yes. You know, if you want to experience like that type of uh, activity. That's something that adds value world, to our lives. Absolutely. And we're prepared to pay for that. We shouldn't say just because you can't sit in a street, like, a street side cafe in France or in Amsterdam, your... you shouldn't travel. I think that's wrong. I think we should accept that there's... Um, there's, it's it's all about striking that balance. But what something costs and what's worth to you. To you, yes. And I think just to, to before we go further in this discussion, remember also right now our perspective is different because True. we are full-time travelers. Well, again, yeah, that comes down to the difference between traveler and a sightseer. Well, um, a holiday maker, a vacationer, a tourist. But sure, but, but we've just, had enough of those holiday types as well. Of course, and I think that's, that's important because when you go on a three-week or four-week holiday, you normally would, I would expect you to have a budget. Well, exactly, and we've I would, always had a budget exa- and said, yeah. these are the things we want to spend money on Correct. and these are the things that are not worth spending money on Correct. in our opinion. But what and if that'll you, be different to every single person. What if you have a 12-month uh, period? I think it'll be the same. I should think the idea the is you should always approach it the same, no matter whether it's a one-week experience or whether it's a one-year experience. There are always you're going to be bombarded with opportunities to spend money, and you need to know in the back of your mind already what are the ones that you are prepared to spend money on, and which ones you aren't, and how that then fits together into your budget. Okay, I agree. So let's call that point number one. Know what you want to spend your money on. Yes. All right. <laughs> Perfect. We're making progress. So we should yeah. be realistic about what we want to do. And I think the only best way to do that is to do a little bit of homework and research before you go to a place, whether it's going somewhere for one week or whether it's traveling full time. You need to do a little bit of research. No, you need to do a lot of research. Nowadays, it's easier than ever uh, to, to be able to do it. And But I think... If you want to be realistic about your money and um, and you start out not knowing where you're going, it could be as simple as saying, oh, you know what, I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. Yeah, and <laughs> well, then you can't afford to spend. <laughs> can you go to Tokyo? Of course. Should you go to Tokyo on a shoestring budget? Maybe not. But doesn't mean you can't do it. You just need to do your homework. Get on online, read up, read a few guidebooks. There's so much good information out there. Figure out what it costs to do it. And figure out if it's something you should be doing if you've got a limited budget. In other words, are you going to be missing out? Or look at other alternatives. If there's you want to go to Tokyo to see something particularly, I can't think of something expensive awesome. in Tokyo. Yeah, but that doesn't cost you money Well, it does because it's a peak <laughs> season and you want to I fly so. somewhere, accommodations <laughs> at all-time high. Traveling is... 
But then it would be, in my opinion, it would be better to postpone it until you can afford that because that's what you want to go to Tokyo for and rather go somewhere else while you have got a shoestring budget or save until you can do that. There's no point in going to Tokyo with the hope of seeing the blossoms, but you can't actually afford to. Let's say you go there and you miss it by a week. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Every year, the blossoms are literally there for only a week to two weeks period, and it changes every year. So, I would use, sorry, I would rather use an analogy of you want to go to see a famous painting in a museum in a country because that costs something specific. And then you just look on the internet. It looks exactly well, the same. Well, that's your and my opinion. <laughs> well, so you look at a picture. Oh, I'm just but hearing there's that. There's no point going to the country if you can't go into that museum. And at the same time, I mean, like, we went to Amsterdam. We spent, like, well, a week in Amsterdam. We're not museum people, but we do appreciate the culture and the, the atmosphere. And I, I, I'm more appreciative of that sort of sidewalk cafe culture than going to a museum and looking at a painting. But, but if that is your goal, is you want to go somewhere to see something in specific, then you should make sure you budget accordingly yes. and for that. Uh-huh, exactly. So the first point then was know what you want to spend your money on. The second point is research and plan before you go. Don't rock up there and then realize you don't have enough money be, to do the thing you wanted to do. Be realistic because <laughs> you don't, you know, if you don't, if you ever spend on the road, you're going to go home early. And that's uh, no, no, never fun. <laughs> and besides, ironically, unless you um, have a flexible ticket, you can't go home early. <laughs> so, no. so you need a plan B. So, I, I do recall one time, sorry, a story of not doing great planning on our behalf was when we were in Zanzibar. I know, there's very few oh, times. Oh, yes. And I we went to the that. north of Zanzibar and we were too smart. We're not going to take an all-inclusive deal. We're going to stay in a cheap accommodation and we're going to be able to buy our own food and drink no, and get no, by. And we drew out, there was only worse, cash available worse. in Stonetown. And we had to take, was it a four-hour bus trip yeah, from Stonetown? Yeah, but we didn't realize that the only... So we drew our money and we went up north only to, after a four hour bumpy little minibus taxi ride and then realized, okay, well, with the cash in our pocket, we have to make do for this week. Yeah. And we had to share pizza and a beer every night because we were not prepared <laughs> to do the expensive and long, uncomfortable taxi ride back to Stonetown to an ATM. Well, we, we didn't really have any options. No. But, but if we planned better, if we'd had better internet and done more if research... We, if we knew, okay, nobody's going to accept a credit card in the north of Zanzibar. We may have drawn you more need cash. Only, I need cash, then I probably would have taken more cash. Exactly. More fairness. <laughs> but when we got there, and then you realize, oh boy, okay. This <laughs> oh, is well. what we got. This is what we're going to do to make this work. So there's a lesson learned. and Planning doesn't have to be a painful. Planning can help you. Planning is fun, actually. Planning is good. Planning is fun. I, I actually, I think one's got to be careful not to fall into that bottomless pit that is uh, uh, An itinerary, research. a minute-by-minute minute itinerary. That's different. Research. No, it's just generally starting to read up. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I think very often when one plans a holiday, the research part of it is so much more than just the holiday because one does research for months and months often before, sure. and then you only have a three-week holiday. Of and course. that's all part that's, of it. That's sort of part of building up the experience. Yes, it's very gonna... different when you're on the road full time. Yeah, of course. Don't you don't you think one should be a bit careful though? I always, I, I always so wary about 
knowing everything before I get there. Yes, that's but true. I've actually seen this because, you know... You've seen uh, the 3D, Google walked around the building. rendered it in 3D, so <laughs> <laughs> I've been here. You've climbed the Eiffel Tower, it's, you know what the... It's like... A, and that was the perfect sunset. It's like a glitch in the matrix somehow. <laughs> I've, I've seen this, bit, deja vu, they call it. I do agree, because I must say, from our travels, I think some of our best experiences are the ones that I've known the least about beforehand. I think so, and, and sometimes, and we and right now, we try our damnest to not look at what does the guidebook say, go here, follow the tourist hotspot. We actually try to consider whether it's worth doing that specific thing and maybe look for just something different. Yes. Uh, you have to sort of adjust to that. Uh, I think it's a hard, it's a very hard thing to do because it's always there's always this checklist of 15 things to see and do in this area. I know. And you don't want to miss out either because one of them might be incredible. I mean, you don't want to rock up in Paris and not have seen the Eiffel Tower. That's true. Uh, experience that comes to mind uh, that we did a couple of years ago in, in Java, Indonesia, we went to Bromo, Bromo. Mount Bromo, mm. which is a very popular tourist destination in Indonesia. And the You've best got the way, choice. Well, I think the 99% of people do it in the same way. They stay, they stay in Surabaya, uh, sort of, I think it's called. And they do organized tour. And it's like a From your trip. hotel, back to your hotel. Absolutely. And that idea just doesn't work for me. And I, our, our experience was just so unique and different mm. and deprived of people and and it was just so incredible so that's a good example the research and plan for your go now once you've done that and you have an idea for instance let's take amsterdam as an example you're going there you know what all the different museums cost then you need to create your ideal budget yes. you need to say okay well i'm prepared to spend so much on it there are five museums that i want to go and see but this is what they all cost this is the one that's important to me decide on what you want to spend on different things like food insurance transportation <coughs> flights, accommodation Yep. Booze so, is sometimes the biggest part of some people's itinerary. <laughs> it could be, but the you know there's this question is how much does travel cost, and the answer is as much you have. Yeah. And for most part, it's true because people spend what they can afford, but you need to be an active participant well, you in need making to know those what decisions. What you can afford. Yeah. And I think that's a really important starting point. It's not always easy to create a budget because, especially if you haven't traveled a lot, and depending on where you are in the world. You know, the, the, the ratio of spending might be different. If you go to Vietnam, you might spend a lot less on accommodation than you might in Japan. Yes, or, but that's where if you've done your homework, you should have a good idea and be able to create that budget and if, know that sure. this is what you for can sure. spend and this is where you can go. I mean, these days it's not, oh, I want to go to this destination. You have to get there and walk to a hotel to find out what it costs. There's so much information available Absolutely. on the internet that you can really plan a very decent budget as to, I want to spend three weeks in this country. These are the type of accommodations I'm going to stay in without booking them and finalizing everything. You can have a very good idea of this is a feasible budget for me. Not everybody's idea of a uh, frugal budget is the same. If you, depending on where you come from, like your 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 the power of your money. Now we're from South Africa, so we have South African rands, which, which is the most much. volatile currency in the world, really. And if you're from Europe, especially Western Europe, 
you probably have uh, euros or obviously pounds and generally speaking you're used to paying a lot more mm -hmm. and if you come to say southeast asia or south america then you might be pleasantly surprised how cheap things are relatively speaking i would say everything's cheap because everything mm. isn't and the same applies to if you're from north america if you're or from australia or australia i suppose australia. spending power is very strong mm. because if you're in australia everything's expensive and their currency is very strong relative, relative to speaking. the rest of the world right. so if you come to a country like uh, thailand or vietnam or cambodia uh, you will be boiling well, well, what i mean is you, what you might think is a tight budget, but your tight budget might be 120 or 200 dollars a day. And you can go crazy. That's in your South idea East of Asia a budget with that money. If you're from, let's say you're from East Europe, Eastern Europe, or you're from South Africa, then maybe 80 dollars a day sounds a lot more realistic. Maybe 60 or 50 dollars a day is actually what your budget is. A, a feasible budget for those countries. And I think that's the only so uh, ideal budget. Uh, could could be really anything, but it's very much depending on what you prepare to spend and what you can afford, as long as you're aware of uh, where you're going and what the real costs are. Absolutely, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Cool. So now so. we were we were talking about no point number. Once you've got your budget, yes, matching your expectations to your economic reality, uh. and that's realizing sometimes you can't go everywhere you want to go or do everything you want to do, and being realistic about that. Yeah, there is you... always something you can do with your budget. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone, regardless of income level, will have a budget. Though you know, some budgets are bigger, and we all want to get the most out of what we have to spend on our travel experiences. The tricky part is um, not spending as little as possible. Yes, <laughs> still getting the most experience from what you have to spend. It's not a it's not a competition. It's if you prefer to stay in a hostel, cook your own meals, so that you can experience dive, another culture and scuba dive. Hey, good for you! Absolutely, the best is to make do with what you've got. And you're not, if somebody else may say you're depriving yourself of certain experiences, well, you aren't. You are giving yourself the experiences that you can afford. And well, there sure. is plenty that can be experienced by traveling within a very tight budget. It's more, because we're full-time travelers, it's more difficult for us to say, this is our budget for this trip. We want to keep our average cost low or within a certain range over time, if we go to Vietnam, we know we're gonna spend under spend fifty dollars a day. If you're in Southeast Asia, you, you two people can travel very comfortably for fifty dollars a day. Fifty to sixty dollars a day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've just spent a month in Taiwan now, where we stayed at fifty-three dollars a day average. And it's not even that's not and Southeast Asia. No. Taiwan is expensive compared to um, most of. You Southeast can see Asia. a breakdown of that on the website wewillnomad.com, and we'll also do a separate podcast. I think well let's 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 just move on to the last point. Okay. And then we and can I, go back well, to some ideas I, on how to save money or what we do. So the yes. last point I think is what I think is really important. That's something me we both are pretty good at. Absolutely. That's why we can say what we just said. We to keep track of expenses. I remember I think we've always been like that. We've we both uh, had very accurate records of all our spending. spending individually. And we've just merged those and we've continued to do that over the years and so that we can actually say exactly what all our travels have cost. Is that, is that, yes, of course, because if you're aware of what it costs, you can plan your budget, you can be frugal with your money without being cheap. Because uh, you won't get a second chance often as you think. And I, I want to make a point here that we've 
always used some sort of a tool to keep track of our expenses and and obviously it's so you know that you stay within your budget yeah well i think there's two parts to it i think one is a budgeting ahead of time which is important to give you an idea of what you prepare to or what do you have what what do you need what you've got to spend and what What you you want to spend what you expect to spend and just stay within that but the second part is even if you know you've got plenty and you're not concerned about your budget as such it's still really good to track your expenses so that you can look back because at some point you will want to know what did i spend my money on whether that's for the reason of okay i need to cut down or, oh, geez, what did that country cost me? Maybe I want to go back. And uh, that's where I, yeah. I see the most benefit for us is being Absolutely. able to go back and say, oh, you know what? This country was a bit expensive. Why was it expensive? Oh, because we had three gelato ice creams a day. No, no, so <laughs> we you could have, have cut our gelato. costs by 25% had we not had gelatos. Now we know we can go back to Italy and just not have gelato. <laughs> You've got to have some sort of a limit. Uh, or do you say, oh, well, Spend it. until it's gone and then we eat bread for the holiday, rest of the trip. This, I'm going to give it horns and this is it. Now I'm not going to miss out. But that's that's your prerogative, ultimately. If, if you prefer to spend your money on those great activities, uh, activities you've been dreaming about, uh, just remember they always come with a price tag. And my recommendation is to keep track of your expenses. And there are many tools available to help you do it. I mean, people always look at us and I still think that's one of the reasons why we can do we can travel full-time today is because we've always kept track meticulously tracked expenses not only travel expenses Mm, all expenses all our expenses I've been tracking all expenses income and expenses for the last 20 plus years Mm. in a database system which gives me incredible reporting power and I'll tell you what once you start feeding your travel expenses into some sort of a tool where you can get an idea of what you're spending your money on, your uh, world will change because it's, suddenly travel becomes more sustainable. And it gives you the opportunity to prioritize your spending. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Part. It's not about how much you spend or how much you have. It's about choosing how you spend it. For sure. That's very important. If you don't know where your money goes, how on earth can you plan? So let's quickly discuss a couple of things, how we do budget conscious travel and what we see as budget conscious travel in our eyes. Because don't for one minute think that we are not the lowest spenders in terms of really cutting, traveling and living on a shoestring. And we definitely do not live in luxury either. No, no, I just want to interject. The reason for that is we're too old. (laughs) We need a comfortable bed. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry if you want to shave the bucks. That's fine. Stay in a hostel. I like hostels, but I'm not just going to go into a dorm room. I think I like hostels Share a bed for the social guy. aspect. Uh, I'm Harry now, thanks. <laughs> Who's Harry? Uh, Harry? Harry. Harry. Hostel. Harry's hostel. If I, I think you reach a point where you do put a fair amount of. Uh, value on your comfort and mm. also your privacy and if you get older yeah, oh, we still enjoy mm. social or hostels for the social aspect of it but we want a private room with our own bathroom and it does make it a little bit more expensive but it doesn't have to be a five star hotel no. versus hostel there's so much in between it's, it's a really a wide range sure. and we'll just discuss where we fall in so I think let's start with getting to your destination 
generally that will be we're talking about a you know an overseas destination a somewhere far. <laughs> a boat. A ship is a great way to get there, actually, but that's a whole different topic. That's a different topic. Usually it'll be flying, and I know some people. people are very stuck to they want to fly with a certain airline because they think that they've got a good reputation and they'll be flying in more comfort. But really, to be honest, do not look over budget airlines. Two things. Firstly, yes. If you're a budget-conscious traveler, you're looking for value when you fly. And there's so many great tools available to help you with that. And you don't have to fly with an obscure little airline that, (laughs) (laughs) that might make you nervous. I don't think that's a great idea. We're all looking for reliable airlines. But there's nothing wrong with considering budget airlines, especially in areas like Asia, uh, Europe. There's there's plenty of you can, for example, in Malaysia, you can fly from uh, Kuala Lumpur to Langkawi for like twelve dollars. It's ridiculous. Or, so it's all within <laughs> Malaysia, but still, it's it's relatively cheap. We flew and- now from Taiwan, Taipei to Busan in North Korea. I think it was fifty dollars, mm. maybe. No, it was one way, and it included check luggage. And this is the other thing it's a lot easier obviously if you do only have land luggage because then you can make better use of budget airlines yes. where if you have check luggage often if you use a budget airline and you have to add your check bag uh, you end up uh, paying the same as a normal absolutely next ticket, thing you know they're going to charge you to it. use the toilet <laughs> That's coming. The other thing to consider is travel rewards programs where you can use points and miles. And this works really well in places like America. Unfortunately, from South Africa, with our credit cards and things, we don't have as many opportunities. No, I think the Americans have really got the game sorted on this. And we, the rest of the world is lagging sort of behind. Hopefully. Even the Europeans, nobody can come close to the travel reward programs that's available no. to, to the American market. So if you are in that market segment, you have to take make use of it. Unfortunately, we are in no position to comment much on it. We just we can just but say we're very plenty, jealous. Plenty of, of information out there to be able to use rewards programs. So if you are in America, go and look at that before you do try and do flight. What? Sorry, <laughs> uh, I think the biggest thing that can impact your flight costs is how flexible you are. Yes. If you sure. if you've got a very a fixed date of departure and return. And there's no way you can be flexible. You are pretty much stuck and you don't have much of a choice. Because often just being flexible by one or two days can make a, can make a big difference in flight prices. Sure. So always try and search within a window as well and not just on specific dates. We've got a, on our website, weallnomad.com, under the um, essentials, travel essentials section, there's a little uh, blog entry on what we use to find flights. And if you've got any suggestions, you're welcome to to post some comments there on it. And sometimes you also have to consider what time you arrive at your destination. The worst thing in the world is to arrive in a foreign city uh, late night. And oh, we actually had a recent experience. We've, uh, we've, we've been to Dubai a few times, but last time we were there, we arrived after midnight and we... Thinking we're going to hop on the metro. Uh, and the metro stopped running at one. Oh boy. Okay, cool. There goes your budget. Taxi. <laughs> taxi. Taxi. All right. So speaking so of... that comes to the second thing. Speaking of taxi, let's talk about... Another, Leaving the airport. Well, it could be a train station. This is one of those tricky ones. If you're budget conscious, you can't just hop into a... A taxi or cab and go everywhere. It's Especially normal. not when you're a single person or only a couple. No, if you're a family of five, sure, yes. maybe. If you can share, that's fine. And in Asia, certain countries, uh, it's, it can be a lot cheaper than others. Uh, if you're in, in, in um, Tokyo, you're going to 
you're not going to be fond of what they're charging to get around the taxi. So, but there are other ways. What we do try and do is plan uh, plan it out fairly well, and we normally get a fair idea of how we're going to make our way to where we're going to be staying. And that Particularly would, from the airport. No, what is airport. your cheapest way of leaving the airport? Sure. Is there a taxi? Is it a metro? Is there an airport shuttle, a shared shuttle? And what they cost? And it's well worth doing your homework on that because you can save a lot of time and effort doing it. But and that being said, sometimes uh, the easiest and fastest is going to be, be a taxi. to take the taxi if that's what you want to do. And I think leading on to that is how do you normally get around? So that's one of the things that we do because we travel quite light. We can use public transport to get from point A to point B, and we actually enjoy it. Yes, it's a lot okay. more interaction with it. the locals, yes. and it it's, just it, doesn't it, isolate you. It as introduces much. you to your immediate surrounds. It can be a bit of a culture shock if you're not used to it, and it can't be always easy if you've never done it. But if you travel light enough, I actually enjoy going from the airport straight onto a train or bus Metro. even and figuring your way out. But don't be don't be scared of using public transport, especially in countries where you don't speak the language. It's not that difficult. No. Nowadays, uh, using something like Google Maps, it's so easy to to route yourself using public transport in most countries. Even we, in, we right now, we're in South Korea as we're recording this podcast and Google Maps do, do, doesn't work in South Korea. But they've got their own system. They've got app. their own system, yeah. And it Neighbor. looks fantastic. Yes, it's slightly different language, but that's fine. It, it hasn't let us down so it far. It still generally deals with bus numbers. It's perfect. And yeah, absolutely perfect. you can see where you're yeah. going. And, and we primarily use metros, trains, and buses getting around. Even like now, we're in South Korea, we've been in Busan now for about eight days. And we only use buses because they're so convenient and cheap. And, and you get there quickly. Absolutely. and Without any issues. And the last month that we spent in Taiwan, it was really easy as well. For sure. Using the metros, trains, buses, everything. I think generally in Asia, it's it's a little bit more organized. If you go into slightly less developed countries, it becomes a bit more of a challenge. Uh, countries like uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, India. even Vietnam is... You can use the train there, but they've got a single rail running north to south, so it's a bit of a challenge. But it's also not not that big a deal. It's all it's all it's all come down to how much time you have, and if you have the appetite for experiencing those kind of things. But you can make huge savings. It's uh, it's generally quite cheap as well. Okay, we're really stretching our limit on time here, but let's quickly think. Quickly how- chat about accommodation and the places well, we stay. So when you're traveling, you've got options of really budget hostels everywhere. Now, as you just said earlier, we don't uh, share a dorm room anymore, but we do often stay in hostels where they have a private room with an ensuite bathroom, and we like that because often you get a lot of extra perks at a hostel. So there'll be free snacks, free coffee and tea, there's and only there's a nice good interaction area. with people, other there's travelers a, and local people. And there's also good information available. You can normally, there's a, there's a chill area where you can meet people, and, and I, I quite like that. And they'll generally give you some tips as well on local mm. things to do that are not expensive. They're not trying to sell you something that they know is out of your price range. Normally. So Depends we generally stay in a place, but we don't only use hostels. We stay in a lot of other places. We use Asia, we like, Well, in Asia, we like home, the homestay sort of option. And when I say homestay, it's not, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's normally, especially in Southeast Asia, it would be like a boutique hotel, but more um, villa run. style. So there, there would be maybe a small compound with 
four to compound. six. Compound. That makes it sound very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> a family-run establishment. A family-run compound. <laughs> a family-run establishment of like six villas. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Maybe in, around a little pool, a little pool. restaurant. And we've always, we found that that's just normally the, the, great, the greatest way to travel. It's not a hotel. It's a lot more informal. People are a lot more attentive and personable. Um, I still think if I look back at our month spent in Indonesia, that was some of the best accommodations we stayed in, and it was so affordable. Yeah. We stayed in all those places. Most of the time, we even had a private swimming pool or a swimming pool shared amongst the five places. For sure, I think in some countries it's so cheap to stay in good hotels. Like in Vietnam, jumps out at me. You can definitely get good value for under fifty dollars a day. And depending on what country you're in, we tend to find that certain countries, different sites work better. So we mix and match between using Agoda.com, Bookings.com, and then also, of course, there's Airbnb. Mm-hmm. The place we're currently staying in here in Busan now for this ten or eleven nights is an Airbnb, yep. which is fantastic because it gives us the opportunity to be able to cook for ourselves mm-hmm. and just make, mix us up the hotel lifestyle with sort of uh, apartment living. So you can go downstairs to the grocery store and you can feel a little bit more... At home. At home, in a way. And very much depends where you are in the world. If, you, if you're if in the United States, for example, accommodation is a relatively expensive yes. part of your travels. So you have to look at other ways to make it work. For but, sure. And if you're in America, $100 doesn't get you very far. No. But one other tip is we also try to always look for places that have got Wi-Fi, which may save you a little bit on data costs. And also, if possible, that includes a breakfast. It helps Just being able to have a snack in the morning does help and save you. Just so you, you don't have to rush out first thing in the morning and go look for a cup of coffee or... It's just the worst thing ever. But you know, All right. Well, that leads us on to food. Oh, yeah. Food. That's a, the trickiest one in the world. Lisa, <laughs> you can... Well, I think that's one of the things that people often underestimate or have got a wrong impression of. So we both really enjoy food and we like trying food, local foods, different foods. But we do not go out and eat in a restaurant. The thing is, it's a tricky one because, yes, of course you want to go to a fine dining restaurant every now and then and treat yourself. And we try and go to some places where it might be nicer, but it's not something you can do every day. It's, I, I, this, it's, it's a weird thing. We were in Taiwan now for a month, and Taiwan is, was interesting because it's very easy to find good food everywhere. Yes. You don't have to and go cheaply. to a... Yeah, you don't... You, I mean, you don't have to go to a restaurant, air quotes, uh, you can go, well, you to, can go a to a local, local eatery, a local eatery where, and it's so it's 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 simplistic and small, but the food is great and it's affordable. There's no reason for you to cook it's for yourself. Fresh, it's, it's made right there. It's what f- the locals eat. For sure, you can literally walk around the block and find five places to have breakfast for really well priced. And the same applies to most parts of Asia, mm-hmm. South Southeast Asia. Uh, now we are in South Korea. Now we unfortunately in an area which hasn't got a lot of. Uh, smaller restaurants because it's close to the beach and so it's a little bit more difficult to be able to do that but then what we do is we try to then cook for ourselves in that situation well, this is exactly it after a month of only eating good restaurant food I, I was looking forward to be able to just fry an egg for myself in the morning yes you know something as simple as that get up and make myself a cup of coffee fry an egg Oh, man, that is heaven to me. But we'll balance it again as we move on to the next place, and then we will be exploring a bit more and trying more of the local food. For sure. 
don't think you miss out just because you can't afford to eat at a restaurant every day. That also gets old very quickly. And not only that, but many times, especially in Asia, when I think about food, often the street food is better than the restaurant food, if I can put it like that. Don't be scared of street food. Be savvy about it, sure. I mean, we won't eat chicken off the streets at 5 p.m. No, in the late afternoon that we can see I mean, it's been standing in the sun. just swat the flies away. It'll be fine. Okay. But, well, so we, we definitely don't shy away from experiencing a culture through its food. We definitely don't starve when we go on holiday or when we travel. This is one of the myths that I want to counter here. The fact that if you don't go to the restaurant, eat this, then you're missing out. That's not the essential part of being in a place. There are many aspects of traveling. And yes, it's great to eat lo local cuisine that's unique and can enhance that experience. Do it. But you needn't go to an expensive restaurant to no. do that. And you don't, because you know what? That's probably your biggest expense. If you're spending money on food and Luxuries like alcohol and snacks that blow your drinks, budget alcohol, super fast. Even just soft drinks. We also feel that single-use plastic is a huge problem, especially in Asia, and we don't really want to add to that craziness. So where possible, we always carry uh, bottles with us that's, that you can put cold water or hot water in, and we fill them up where we can, and we also use a, a survival filter to fill our own bottles from almost any water safely. So being able to do that does save on just drinking soft drinks all day long. And we'd rather have that to be able to, if we are in Japan, have a... What's it? Uh, oh Saki. A sake. <laughs> oh, well. Or well, I think wherever alcohol, you are to have a local is, drink. Alcohol is, is also just a habit. You, you associate having a beer... Those are just the realities. Or whether you have a, a gin and tonic, it's whatever floats your boat. The point is, you don't need to uh, every day. And you can't every day. If you travel every day, all the time, every day is not necessarily a holiday. This is life. Mm -hmm. That's so quite if, a hard mind shift to make. So you have to remember when you were back at home, working did you go home every day and had a drink yeah some people do you know what i like a glass of wine with my meal but nowadays when we travel i just can't do that anymore it's just not feasible or sustainable mm -hmm. so i think hopefully they gave you a bit of a glimpse into yes. what budget conscious travel means to us it doesn't mean counting the pennies and not doing anything, but it does mean thinking about what you want to spend your money on. Absolutely. And we think that we've got a fairly good balance as to spending frugally, but making the most of the experiences that come across our paths. Sure. So feel free to drop us a note, let us know what budget travel or budget conscious travel may mean to you. And uh, to us, it's not about being cheap not about wasting money on frivolous stuff. It's about knowing where and when you want to spend your money on, no matter how much you've got. Whether All right. it's for a holiday or a trip. Thanks. Let's go for a beer. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, Cheers. guys. Chat next time. Bye. Bye.